So some of you know we've teamed up with Picks, and that is PicksShop.com. There's an app, and we are working on the app with them. The coolest thing about it is we get to have meetings and go through design stuff and see how we can fix the UI UX. But there is so much technology behind this app, and like I can't even get it to you in a minute of everything that's going on. But if you do tastings, you could do tastings, you could do posts and just say like, hey, I'm drinking this tonight. But if you do tastings, the app is going to start matching you to bourbons that you are going to like. You're going to find emails that come through that say, hey, you liked this one a lot. You might like these two. As you're searching through, you're going to see the percentage of like how well you match to the other people that are tasting and the other drinks that they are tasting as well. So this thing is so cool. It gives you recommendations. You could see how your friends rated things. It's just a fun way to interact and drink whiskey together, even though we are all virtual sometimes. You know, you could do it with the people in your neighborhood. You could do it with people across the country. Picks is so much fun. And go to PicksShop.com. Download the app. It's only for Apple right now, but we are going to get it for Android eventually. Go to PicksShop.com. Download the app today. Have fun plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with the best outdoor coolers and drinkware. Celebrating 10 years of cool, Orca was founded in 2012, born from the idea of making a hard-sided cooler that beat out all the rest. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class maximum temperature retention. Orca's drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours, and they look great while doing it. Their stainless steel vacuum-sealed tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off. Orca, make it last. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edward. Zeke Baker is on assignment. Together, we make the Dad Shrinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us part of your day. It is another special episode. It's an interview, so you know Zeke's on assignment. I have Robbie Haynes, and he started Sunday's Finest. We've been exploring some of these kind of ready-to-make drinks. We've had Spirited Hive on. We've had Social Hour on. And this one actually comes in a bottle, and it is Sunday's Best. It is the gold fashioned. It's straight bourbon whiskey, straight rye whiskey with Sunday's finest saffron bitters and fair trade Damara. It is a ready to enjoy cocktail. 750 milliliter bottle. It looks like super fancy. I think the price makes it a little bit fancier too. And we're going to talk to Robbie about all this because it is just a premium upscale bottled old fashioned. And there's a whole process you have to do in order to get this. Like there is a spritzer that you put in and we're going to ask him all about that. So Robbie, welcome to dad's drinking bourbon. Thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to chatting with you. I've been looking forward. I've stared at this bottle for a few days. I think it's been at my house like four days or so. And I'm looking at it. I typically like like to go in with an open mind, meaning I don't like to sample it before because I want to have that actual reaction of what I think on the show. But I've been staring at this thing and like the spritzer, the orange zest and like the whole process. It's like you pour the, the drink in and then you have to like spritz over it. And I normally don't do this first. 
first, but just like we want to know the story of Sunday's Bats. We want to know the story of the gold fashion. But first, how are you? And then teach me how to do this drink so I could sip on it while we learn more about your brand. Yeah, man. I'm great. Um, It's been a, a whirlwind, maybe few months, but especially the last couple of weeks launching the gold fashion. And I'm very excited for you to try it for the first time. I think a lot of people are um, a little skeptical when it comes to the ready to enjoy cocktails and rightfully so. But the the response has been overwhelmingly positive when it comes to the gold fashion. I think you should pour yourself one and then we can chat about it. A few things kind of just to, to think about when you're, when you're getting into it. It is ready to serve. You pour it over ice. It is full strength. So it's 84.4 proof. It's very special. 15-year bourbon, 9-year bourbon, 6-year rye. And then, yeah, Sunday's finest saffron bitters, a little Demerara syrup. The arm zest, we wanted this to be as good, if not better, than the best old-fashioned you would find in your town. A great cocktail engages all the senses. And so the orange zest atomizer, which is made with blood orange, Valencia, and navel oranges, you pour the cocktail over ice and then you spritz that once over top and you get the aroma of fresh orange, just like you had a, an orange zested over your over your cocktails. It's fantastic. I really do enjoy the bottle. There's so much about this. I've just poured it. I haven't spritzed yet, but I love this bottle. Just the way that the label just comes out of it like it, it is like a badge like a little i mean i'm sure there's a better name for it but it, badge is good emblem emblem uh, yes but it's a uh, good looking logo and it's it's actually popping you know it's probably glued to the bottle itself but looks great the colors the the blue and gold is very regal and then i almost think that the way that you have the pourer like there is a literal cocktail pourer that when you take off the top it is ready to go in there like you would have it at the bar like you don't no, oh. yeah it's a no drip pour stop that uh, thing is awesome Cool. So first, first use on the arm zest pro tip, you're going to want to prime it a couple times off to the side and then yeah, hold it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I understand. I understand now. Hold it. Which way? Maybe like uh, 45 degrees. Yeah, or you can go straight on. You, you just want to get the zest like to kind of cover the top of it. Got it. Boom. I'm yeah. ready to go now. And even the way you built the the spritzer, like the, the holder for the spritzer is what holds the bottle in the nice box. There's a nice box that comes with it. Everything's all blue and gold. Kind of coming from like the hospitality side of things. You know, if you go to like a nice bar or restaurant, let's, you know, the, the cocktail is, is, is part of the experience, but it's also like the ambiance, walking in the door, talking to the host, the decor, the seats, all this stuff. And with the the ready to enjoy cocktail, we wanted to try to telegraph some of that feeling into the packaging. So the the packaging is meant to like, you know, slowly open it up and reveal more as you get closer to the bottle, you know, just kind of surprise and delight throughout just, you know, to make it engaging and fun and um, interesting for folks. And it's tasty too. It really is tasty. I I am enjoying this. I'm not even saying this. I love a good old fashioned. This is a very good old fashioned. Hats off to you for it. Thanks, man. Always love the old fashioned cocktails probably probably made more of those than anything else over the years. And it's a really straightforward cocktail, but there's also not a lot of room to hide. There's not a lot of, um, there's no lengtheners, there's no juice, but if you're working with great spirits, a good gold fashioned should really like showcase and, and put the spirits 
front and center and then accent and compliment. And I feel like, you know, the bitters are your opportunity to inject a little personality into it. But for me, this this year's blend is very much about the whiskey. Finding 15-year-old bourbon, finding nine-year-old bourbon was not easy. Finding 15-year-old bourbon um, was a was a minor miracle. So we wanted to keep that front and center. And we're going to talk about, it's 15-year bourbon, nine-year bourbon, six-year rye, right? Yeah, so it's a split we call it a vintage, a vintage whiskey blend, but yeah, it's a, it's a split base. So we kind of get in the best of both the bourbon and rye worlds. You know, the rye is like kind of got that fruity spice and assertiveness and the nine year bourbon is, you know, kind of warm baking spice, caramel. And then the 15 year old bourbon, uh, I feel like is best described as stately and dignified. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk more about what actually came in this, but I'm curious, how did you get here in the first place? I mean, you said that you had owned a brand before Sunday's Finest, but you said you've made a lot of old fashioned. So like, I'm assuming, did you come from bartending? Where were you and how did you get here? I started out parking cars and we all got to start somewhere, right? (laughs) And in Chicago, that is a, it is a tough gig. It's all right in the summer. You're getting some nice fresh air and exercise, but in the winter it's, it's quite brutal and the money is not great, but you know, I moved to Chicago when I was 21. That was the first job I got. And through some of the accounts that I was working at with the valet company, I, I managed to make some friends on the inside uh, of some of these places and kind of fell into an opening position at a great cocktail bar that was just opening up in Chicago called the Violet Hour as a bar back. I had no real bar restaurant experience outside of a, a brief stint at Pizza Hut in my late teens. I bar back for, you know, a year or two, washed the dishes, ran the glassware, cleaned up after everybody and slowly transitioned into bartending and bar managing and was there for maybe seven or eight years. That was kind of at the the start of the craft cocktail resurgence, at least in Chicago. And took that job very seriously. I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun and it found it really like creatively fulfilling. Towards the end of my tenure there, started to play around, you know, in the back on my day off, um, making products, you know, started out as bitters, some syrups, then I got really interested in liqueurs. I thought that was a really fun medium to work in, like blending flavors, working with fresh ingredients to create something that bartenders could use to make interesting riffs on cocktails, like a, a springboard for creativity. And uh, co-founded Apolog Liqueurs in 2017, you know, Chicago-based B Corporation, making all-natural liqueurs featuring more unique or esoteric regional ingredients, things like persimmon, saffron, aronia berry, celery root, pawpaw, and life was good. You know, for a few years, we were, you know, out there kind of bopping around, breaking into other states. But our business was very focused on on-premise bars and restaurants. In 2020, all the restaurants closed, uh, at least for a short while. And we had to think fast. We got really interested in this ready-to-drink, ready-to-enjoy space. We first partnered with a local restaurant group called One Off Hospitality to release a, a ready-to-drink margarita, canned margarita. They're known for their margarita and their and their bustling patio. The restaurant's called Big Star, and that was a real eye-opener for us. That was the first thing we had done that was like geared towards at-home consumption. And that business is 
historically been like pretty seasonal, right? Like summertime, margaritas all day long. When that temperature drops though and the coats come out, you know, people start to reach for things that are a little more spirit forward. And we put our heads together and we said, okay, what can we do? And what can we do really well that would be complementary to this that would thrive in in the colder months and you know which also happens to be like the gifting season you know there's thanksgiving there's all these holidays people are gathering with friends and family and there's a lot of competition in the ready to drink space especially on like the more economical side like the kind of the crushable cans and stuff and some of that stuff is great some of it's not we said okay what if we go to the total other end of the spectrum spare no expense and try to make that the absolute nicest ready to enjoy cocktail experience that we can and that was the genesis of the gold fashion you know i think there were a number of reasons that we gravitated towards a, a riff on the the old fashion the name came first gold fashion and i was like okay cool this is a really interesting play people immediately kind of know what it is but it gives us a little bit of uh, wiggle room to be creative and inject some personality into it. And then we just started looking for started looking for good whiskey. Started thinking about what we could do to it to to make it ours and make it really unique. The bitters, you know, is something that I had spent you know many years kind of making dozens and dozens of recipes and iterations of various types, and um, felt like that was a really good uh, lever that we could pull as far as like using that component of the drink to tell a story and bring in some more unique flavors, things like saffron, uh, Ecuadorian cacao, Tahitian vanilla, French gentian, Seville orange pill. And then it was just, we would not have done the project if we had not been able to find good whiskey. It really hinged on us being able to find some good juice. And so we tasted sample after sample after sample. And then once we, we launched last year and once we found the, the five-year rye and the eight-year bourbon, we were like, okay, cool, game on. Like we can do this and and really feel proud about what's in the bottle and feel good about it. And yeah, last year was great. Like we were kind of shooting from the hip. It was a, it was a bit of a calculated risk. Like are people going to be ready for and, and excited for a product like this? And thankfully they were. We got some great press this year. We decided to double down. We sold out of last year's blend. And this year we went about sourcing some even nicer whiskey, this 15-year-old bourbon. We were able to let some of our other barrels age for another year. So we were able to age up our eight and five-year whiskeys to nine and six, respectively. And I feel like this year is actually, this blend is even better than last year's. I, I want to go back because you glossed over everything and, and I don't feel like we got the whole story. So you're working at this liquor brand that you started with a friend you want to do sunday's finest so you have experience because you've been back there making the cores and you've been you know mixing and you do all this stuff on your own did you do what other people with ready to drink stuff have done like did you use a formulator or is this just you figured out the blend on your own yeah for, for this it was just got the whiskey, blended it, proofed it down, taste adjust, taste adjust. And once we had the whiskey feeling really good, started working on the bitters. Same thing, small batch, small batch, taste adjust, taste adjust, got those popping. And then I just made a giant cocktail. Uh, so you, you did know, like a big old vat, you put everything together in a yeah, 2000 liter vat. The process, it takes a little longer, but really it's, it's, 
once I had the individual components dialed in, making the actual cocktail was not too different from how I would make a cocktail for you if you sat down across from the bar for me. From me, I would had a good starting point. I knew kind of where the recipe would be pretty close. And then just like at the bar, I put a straw in, I tasted it. And, but instead of adding, you know, a 16th of an ounce of whiskey to it or another dash of bitters, it was five buckets of whiskey and two buckets of bitters, stir it up, taste it again. You just kind of knock it around until you get the flavor profile and center. I love that because I mean, all the the canned places, they talk about how there's a formulator and they send them basically like test cans, right? And then you're tasting it and sipping, but you're sitting there like making one big ass cocktail. I freaking love it. Yeah. And there's like some stuff we do, you know, obviously it's like we're get pretty specific with the way it's filtered and, you know, we, we polish it up and make it pro, but a cocktail like this, you know, we're not working with artificial colors or flavors. There's no concentrates. It kind of comes together. You know, I, I think, it, again, like my job is to showcase the beautiful inputs and working with a really awesome whiskey blend and really great bitters. Yeah, made a, a massive batch of Demerara syrup, then just set to task, putting them together in the right way and made it a massive tank of old fashioned. And then we bottled it over the course of about, you know, maybe three weeks to bottle the thing. The packaging itself was a beast. Like the everything is done by hand. The label, the emblem, the it's hand numbered. It took a small village to get the thing in the box and, and get it packaged up and out the door and um, looking good. But making the cocktail itself, kind of just put on some good tunes and clear out of the distillery. I really like to work by myself doing something like this if I can. So I would just go into the distillery at night and yeah, go to town. That's funny. What are you listening to when you're mixing this up then? This time it was like pretty mellow stuff. I really got into John Wesley Harding, kind of like earlier, not earlier Dylan, like maybe that like mid era Dylan where it's like a little country-ish. Did you see Um, that whole documentary about him that was out like within the past year? It was crazy good. Yeah, real good footage. It's crazy to see him. I felt the same way when I saw Beatles doc. It's like, it's wild to see these people in like when they recolor the film, you you just see them in such like detail and they look like just real, in my mind, they've always been like mythical beings, right? Like it's like Dylan. But when you see them in the doc, you're like, oh man, he's, this is just a regular person. You know, he's got some cool clothes on. Obviously he's like a genius, but he's also just like a human. I don't know. I, I thought I saw the doc. I thought it was great. I thought the footage of him and Patty Smith was really cool too. The craziest thing about the Beatles doc was just how much they actually cut up in between takes and all that. Like just how they would mess around and then how Paul was like so serious and everybody was like, just kind of like shit on Paul. Like, come on, dude, we're just yeah. trying to have some fun. Like why are you making us do this song 34 times? Yeah. My big takeaway from that, which I, I've tried to like implement into our production or just like in kind of everything is that it's really apparent that they do have fun and that like, quote unquote, play is a big part of their process. And I think it was a good reminder not to take ourselves so seriously and, and enjoy what we do. You, know? you got to mess around a little bit because you never know that riff you're messing around with like becomes get back, you know, like you just don't know. I feel like Dylan probably was more serious about his craft 
than the Beatles were. And I feel like the Beatles were kind of like, you know, John and George and Ringo was kind of in the middle, right? But Paul was on one camp and then John and George were just kind of on the other. And I think George didn't get serious. Not, I mean, this is what people want to hear on a bourbon podcast, right? But (laughs) I think George got serious finally, really when he went on his own. Yeah. Like, I think you're totally right. You never know. And so you got to, you need to be in a spot where you're comfortable throwing ideas out there. I mean, the arms us atomizer did not exist, right? Like we made the first batch, tasted it, talked about it and we're like, Hey, is this good? Yeah. Is it really good? Yes. Is this like a game changer? And we're like, no, because like you, if you went to a cocktail bar, like you would get that aromatic zest on top of the cocktail and that would like, that engages all your senses you start to smell the cocktail before you even taste it. And one of our partners kind of jokingly said like, Hey, what if we put the orange zest in like a little spray bottle, like a little spritz bottle, like a perfume bottle. And we all kind of chuckled and we're like, <laughs> we're like, Oh, well, what if we did that? <laughs> Lo and behold, like, I mean, there are no bad ideas. I guess there are some bad ideas, but it's worth verbalizing most of them because you never know. I just made a, a good old fashioned over the weekend. I mean, literally, there's the people they, they send out the smoke cocktail kits because of the gram. You feel like you need to like do a reel where you smoke your cocktail and get your whole kitchen really smoky. But getting the percentages right. I mean, the old fashioned, it's a simple drink by nature. You know, it's a little bit of sugar, a little bit of water, a little bit of bitters and some whiskey and some orange. And there you go. Like the percentages that you use really it means everything so i think for you like talking about how you're actually you know, you're micro batching it and then you're going ahead and doing it in a 2000 liter tank i mean that's impressive my hat's off to you my friend got real good at, at excel just kind of like scaling up the numbers but you know i feel like if for, you know if you want to make a, a good old-fashioned single serving you start with two ounces of good whiskey in theory you can make a good old-fashioned with any spirit i've had nice you know mezcal old fashions i've had good gin old fashions cognac brandy scotch you name it i love adding a little chartreuse along with the you, you have yeah. your whiskey and you just do a little bit of chartreuse in there yeah i think if you can keep the you keep the whiskey front and center you can play around with what's happening those little accents and that's like that's your chance to like put your thumbprint on it and that's the key right where it's the the percentage of those accents i mean we just interviewed savage and cook and they do wine finishing on their their rye and their bourbon and the thing that george via does that's so crazy and i've always said like i hate wine finished whiskey because i feel like the wine finish overpowers the whiskey and then i mean we've notoriously said on this show like you could bring us wine finished whiskey but we probably aren't going to like it and what i liked about savage and cook is he only finished 17 percent of the bourbon blend and he only finished 18 percent of the rye blend so then it still makes the whiskey front and center and then you just get those wine notes and it's the same thing with an old-fashioned it's like you have to have your spirit be the star and you want like and that's what i love about your blend here and this is me i'm telling you if you think bar back and parking cars is tough my first bartending gig was at logan's roadhouse you had me at Roadhouse. Uh, I mean, it was the, the most you were mixing up was a tall boy, a Miller Lite. All you did was had to make the Roadhouse tea. And it was like their version of the Long Island iced tea. And you just dumped whole bottles in with a 
shit ton of sour mix. And like, that was uh, your idea of like, here's our pre-made cocktail. I imagine it got pretty rowdy. No, I mean, it wasn't like, it's a chain. It's not like okay. a real, it's like Texas Roadhouse, Logan's Roadhouse. You can pop the peanuts at your table and have the peanuts on the floor. Like, so like that. the nights I was a server, it was always a pain in the butt because you got to pick up the peanuts at the end of the night. <laughs> you just see all the servers there with dust pans. Like, but you know, we all have to start somewhere. And I think that's the, the funny thing about how we end up where we end up is you get a gig and at least like after that I could put bartender on my resume and that might get you someplace else and learn a little bit more but let's go back to this because you did it the first year what was the whiskey you put in the first year the first year we sourced some five-year rye from gp which um i think is a fantastic fantastic rye and then we sourced some eight-year bourbon that was born in Bardstown. Unfortunately, I can't tell you what exact distillery it was, but it came from Bardstown and it is a reputable house that we are proud to be able to work with. And we were able to set aside half of those barrels in our distillery and let them age out another year. And we tasted them, you know, kind of throughout the year a couple of times just to make sure that they were evolving in a pleasant way. And I, I tell you, there's just something that time in the barrel does that nothing else in my mind can can do to whiskey. I know that there's good or higher quality whiskeys at younger ages out there on the market, but for me in a spirit forward stirred cocktail that I'm going to sip on, you know, I feel like once you once you start to push up over 5 years and get to that 6 plus, that's kind of when the magic happens. And so that's what we did the first year, and then this year we were really trying to one up ourselves both with the juice and with the packaging. So, you know, kind of tasting the first year's blend in my mind, the one thing that could have made it, you know, five to 10% better was like, if we had like a really something that had spent significant time in barrel um, and, and we were able to blend that in with what was already happening. And so we were able to find some 15 year bourbon, which happened to come from the same Bardstown uh, distillery and the vintage whiskey blend this year on its own is is phenomenal I, I was able to set aside six bottles of just the whiskey and i hid them behind several pallets under a tarp at the distillery so no one no one will touch them uh, i wish i could have taken more hey you got some i mean that's all that really some. matters right so the nine-year bourbon was the stuff you had last year that aged up and then the 15 you got this year and then the six-year ride was that mgp or was that that was the same the same five-year ride that also we were able to age up oh that's awesome that you had some left over and now you're gonna have i mean the thing is this is really good you're gonna have to start planning like put down the new make now buddy yeah i'm out of whiskey now so yeah we are we are searching not totally sure what we're gonna use next year we've got feelers out there we've already tasted some samples some of them pretty good but i think playing with the spirits base blend with the gold fashion in particular is going to be our opportunity each year to tell like a maybe a unique or different story or create a product that is you know compelling so that people that bought the first year and people that have had it the second year will be excited to see what we use um in 2023 and it may not even be whiskey or it might not be all whiskey um, i really like this split base um is interesting to me because you can pull in some different profiles there's a really cool uh classic cocktail called the vucare 
there's like old New Orleans drink that is historically made with like rye whiskey and cognac and vermouth and Benedictine and bitters. And I remember the first time I saw that cocktail, I was like, oh, it's kind of, you know, that's an interesting choice. But when it's done right and the, the, the rye and the cognac are perfectly balanced, it, it's a really cool profile. So nothing's off the table for next year, but we are actively looking for something good. I love some Armagnac. You throw some Armagnac in with some whiskey. That might be real fun, too. That would be lovely. In that vein, right? And I think given the fact, and just say it, I mean, let, let's get the elephant out of the room. How much is this? Um, you're going to pay about $12 a cocktail for arguably one of the better old fashions you've had made with whiskey that's far older than what you're going to get at your cocktail bar. That nets out to about 150 bucks a bottle. I like uh, how you broke it down to 12 bucks a cocktail because anybody who's been in Nashville lately, like me, knows that you're going out, you're spending 20, 25 bucks for an old fashioned right now. So like you you look at it if you break it down to what it is and and also for dads, I'm not like trying to rush to his defense. He can defend his brand, but also I tell people all the time, I can make a drink. I can make a very good drink, but by the time the kid goes to bed, the cocktail I make is grab glass, pour whiskey in glass. <laughs> like, ta-da, it's neat. Yeah. So I think having something like this that you can actually have a quality drink and not have to put in that time and effort like that to me is worth a lot but i'm just saying it's hard to get juice now you might not be getting 15 year juice you might not be able to be putting in the whiskey that justifies the 150 dollars a bottle price so the question i have for you is like have you thought about different skews within sunday's finest where like yeah maybe you have a a, a gold fashion that is like the gold fashion junior and you have three to five year old whiskey and maybe that's a 75 dollar bottle and then you also you have the ones that are the split based and you know maybe there's some like maybe there's some uh ltos in here where you have like limited blends of the sunday's finest like what is the strategy moving forward for y'all yep so the gold fashion i think will continue to exist as like a, a limited release every year probably around the same time you know i think we like this you know around right around three thousand bottles feels like a good number feels manageable from a supply chain standpoint. You know, I feel like we can find enough good juice to make 3000 bottles. Sunday's finest proper is going to release, um, one to two evergreen skews next year, probably in Q2, maybe early Q3, but we're, we're shooting for Q2. And those will be, you know, kind of like you said, probably in that more than that, like 60 to $80 price point, um, still in a 750, still with the atomizer. We feel pretty strongly that you know, unlocking aromatic experience for folks is a nice touch and a key differentiator for us. But yeah, we, we plan to extend the product line, you know, and have some more everyday products for people. Love it. So what's your favorite thing in coming up with all this? What has been the, the best part for you and what has been the hardest part for you? The best part is easy. the best part was tasting this year's blend. This was a, a week straight of heavy production going in in the afternoons, staying very late, just rocking it pretty solo most of the time. And it's intense. It's fun. But like for that period of time, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not answering emails. I'm not responding to phone calls. I'm not texting anybody. Like I'm just in it. And, you know, working with this whiskey and these bitters and these ingredients, it's high risk, high reward, right? Like there's little to no room for error. 
And, you know, I would go to sleep every night thinking like, okay, cool. Like feeling good about it. If you fuck this up, it's not good. Like that's, a, that's a, that's a problem for you know, not only me, but like we have a team. And so there was some pressure, but I, I, I feel like I do my best work under pressure, but making this year's batch took a little bit of it home, sipped on it, slept on it, came back the next day. And I was like, okay, cool. I think I know exactly what it needs. Poured some for the team. I was like, let's, let's, let's talk about it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Are we all on board? Everyone's like, okay, cool. And we ended up adding a little more whiskey to it and another quote unquote big ass dash of bitters and tasting that feeling very good about it was an amazing moment. Well, and that's and- a moment I always, not to cut you off. I always love asking people because you, you were talking about like, all right, I slept on it and then I came in and we added some more whiskey and we added some more bitters. I think when it comes to blending and it, it's a lot different like with whiskey, right? Because there's like four different blends that you had to do within this whole thing. So you're first blending the whiskey together and you're blending that 15, that nine, that six. Then it's like you're adding all the other ingredients and you're blending it again. So there's two blends that are kind of going on. The question I have for you is like, when do you stop? Because you can get into analysis paralysis. You're talking about busting out the Excel and you're, how do you let yourself say, okay, it's good. I'm done. At this time, I just knew. I don't know. Like I, I feel like in the past, not with Sunday's Finest, but in other creative projects, whether it's, you know, making cocktails or liqueurs or working on music. Totally. I, it, it is a real risk. Like you can overanalyze it, you can beat it to death and you can lose what was like magical about it in the first place. This time with this blend, I really just tried to stay. I kept that in mind. Like, again, like you can add it in, but you can't take it out. I just tried to stay in that headspace long enough, just looking, waiting for the flavor profile to, to hit, to be in the center. You don't always know, but this time, like, I really felt it. Like, the whiskey added the extra bitters, mixed it up, agitated it, came back like 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later, and tasted it. There was, I just knew. And it doesn't always happen like that. It's, it's, it is not, it is normally never that straightforward or easy. But, and we poured it for the team and everyone just, we just looked at each other and were like, cool bottle this thing there you go when that happens it is one of the better things right because like you could sit there i know the blends that we do for brands you know when we have a blend coming out sometimes we go and it all happens in the afternoon and it's real quick and everything's good and we're like all right where are we going to get food and then sometimes it's like all right i gotta sit on this one tonight i just don't know i'm gonna try it tomorrow i'm gonna mess with it a little bit more and i'm gonna mess with the percentages and then i'm gonna let it sit over night again and it's like something you think that should be done in a day is now taking two weeks and you're like what the hell is wrong with me yeah but i feel like going through that process those like more painful extractions it's good for you it builds character and it it helps inform the next one and again like i said it is not i've done stuff before that is infinitely more of a headache and you know you're like okay what can we do how do we do this but this one just 
felt good. I tried to move slow, which is a little different. And I don't know how to explain that. I remember like being at the distillery and never rushing. You know, usually I'm like running everywhere, even if it's across the room to grab a tri-clamp or something. And this time I was like, I just tried to like, again, I was like listening to more mellow music and I was just like, okay, cool. This is what I'm doing next. And I would do it and try to be like present and focused and like, cool, this is what I'm doing next. Once the vintage whiskey blend was done, I was like, okay, cool. That is done. Take a quick breather. And now let's start working on the the next. You hear stories about someone spending six months or a year. You know, I feel like there's there's like a Leonard Cohen song that, you know, he told it, said it took him two years to write. But then there's also sometimes a song will come in like 15 minutes. And not, neither one is better or worse. Just sometimes it just comes and sometimes you got to like really dig for it. And this time I felt like also spent a year thinking about it since last year's blend. So, you know, it, it wasn't really like it happened overnight, but I felt really good tasting, tasting the finished product. Packaging was a beast. I mean, this is not simple packaging. Like you guys went above and beyond and I appreciate that. I mean, especially for the price of it. And I know when you break it down per cocktail, that is a very fair price per cocktail, but like the packaging, it is packaging that you would expect for a $150 bottle of something. And, and just stuff like that means more to me. I think Zeke gets on me on the marketing side of it, but I think as the consumer, it's like, I feel like sometimes the packaging can equate to like how much you care about the product you're putting out. And I feel like, especially because it's like you, you are the guy behind it. Obviously you are going to care about more of your like your product. I feel like that packaging does that. And I know it probably was a pain in the ass, but I just want to say thank you for it. Amen. Thank you. And uh, a quick thank you to Matt Bogus at Think Packaging, the cardboard engineer, which is a cool job that I didn't know existed before this out of New Zealand. He cracked the nut on like how to kind of create that experience. And then just as far as like how it opens, where the atomizer sits. And then we worked with some designers out of Chicago called Mighty Few on the actual like branding and design. And I feel like working with those two groups together kind of helped take it over the top. Well, I think it is over the top and and it's great as somebody who appreciates a good old fashioned. I know that uh, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this bottle. So thank you so much for sending it to me. I can't wait. Let's have you on every year. I want to taste the blend every year. So you have friends in Nashville now when you come through, hit us up, but let's get the whole, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next year now that you're all out of juice. So cool. I might have a, yeah, maybe we'll be sending you a couple things uh, 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 next year. And yeah, looking forward to serving back then and, and talking more man if you need some taste testers and we we could be quiet about it i'm just saying like we do that with plenty of people you could just be like listen i'm working on something what do you think and happy to give you my opinion this gold-fashioned is great i will say uh, where where can they find you to get it cool um you know the what the cool thing about sunday's finest is that we probably can ship this directly to your front door so if people go to um, www.sundaysfinest.com you can order directly from our site you know you can order it for yourself or for your friends or loved one and you don't even have to leave the house you can do it in your pajamas and it'll show up Robbie, thank you so much for coming on. It's a great drink. The folks can find us on Facebook at Dad Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad Drinking Bourbon. Please leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. You can also find us here in Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.